like very progressive feminist kind of woman. Um, but then in bed, she was into like the opposite. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like outside, she was like, equal pay. We need more women politicians. And then in bed, she was like, choke me. <laughs> Spit in my mouth. <laughs> Call me a whore. And I was like, all right. <laughs> I get I get that it's just for the bedroom. I get it. But I also was like, how far do you want me to take this? <laughs> you know what I mean? You want to be like, yeah. You like how when you talked in the meeting, nobody listened? <laughs> but when I repeated what you said, I got credit. Bitch. <laughs> You like how I set the office AC to 64 degrees? And you gotta wear a cardigan in July? Boy, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm about to explain your master's thesis to you after I only read the Wikipedia first paragraph. Welcome to the Underground Comedy Podcast with Sean Joyce. For more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com. Hey, what's up? Thanks for checking us out. This weekend, we've got DC's Best Showcase at Big Hunt and Ahmed Barucha at DC Draft House. You can get tickets and info on the website. That clip you just heard was from our guest today, Benji Himmelfar, performing at Big Hunt. Benji has grown into one of the best comics in DC and is preparing to move to New York for the next step in his comedy journey. In this episode... He talks about what it was like after his best friend in comedy died suddenly, how he recovered from it, and how he had to change as a person and a comic in order to pursue stand-up as a career. Well, Benji, <laughs> you've reached the end of the line. Yeah. You're leaving. I'm, I'm done. I'm out of here. How you feel? I feel? I feel ready. Yeah? I feel good. I feel like it's about time. Going to New York. Uh huh. You're leaving DC. How long have you been doing comedy in DC? About seven years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I, I'm I'm coming I'm coming clean. It's been seven years. It's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> you uh you've reached the top of the mountain in DC. Yeah, I've clawed and scratched my way towards the top. I think. Yeah, I think you have. It was scraped uh, and. Did you scrapped. feel um? What was it? So I so you know I would say like you're in the the top group of comics in the city. There are some guys that have been around for 15 years that are great comics. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I would say of the people like, you know, likely to move, you know, I think you were the best comic that was like trying to like, definitely trying to move. Right. Um, did you think, did you always think you would be able to get to that point? Like at what point were you like, I think I can, I think I could be, like the best that was my goal when i was really new when it felt like really far away yeah yeah when so you I was started still, off you're like i'm gonna be the best i was like i want to yeah i want to be like the i want people to be like that's the best comic in the city because i never i never thought that about myself <laughs> until i i don't think it was until right before i stopped like going <laughs> up regularly but right at that moment like right right around uh like one when Big Hunt like really got going, I was like, okay, at this point, like once like Stav and Madi and Twitey and Tyler left, it was like, 
okay, I think I could be the best if I, you know, keep working. But, mm -hmm. but the, I mean, from, for me, I mean, well, I just, the incentive for me once the, you know, underground comedy got going, it was like, I just decided to put my time in, into that as opposed to stand up. But, right. But I never had that belief early on. Like I didn't have it until right before it was in front of me. Then I was like, Oh, now I think I can do it. Yeah. I don't know if it was ever a belief for me. Like just my psychology until not that long ago was like mostly me doing stand up. I'm looking back on it. Mostly me doing it was like trying to prove it to myself. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's I cool. was like, when I first started, I was like, all right, I gotta be good enough to. See, I, I'm good enough. I'm gonna get laughs. That's I'm gonna be like that kind of comic who can get laughs. And then it became like after a while, I was like, okay, I want to be a guy who's like the best in the city. I was just trying to prove to myself that I. When I first started, I was like, are you even funny? You gotta find out. Yeah. What made you do it in the first place? I don't know. I mean, like, it was fun. Like there was one week where like three different people were like, "You're funny. You should like do stand up." Like, oh. Three different people. Like my cousin and like my boss and like my friend. So I kind of just kind of at that moment, you're like, maybe I should. Uh, yeah. And then I was like, yeah, maybe I will. Cause like I'd go, like I had a roommate who would like did stand up and I'd like gone to open mics. Okay. So you'd seen it before. I'd seen like just how bad they were. Yeah. So yeah. It, like it wasn't a surprise. Right. When I showed up. That's funny. So like, do you think that the, the lack of, of good stand-up that you were watching made it more like made you want to do it more because you're like well i could do that i was never one of those like oh i could do that people because you hear there's like the comics that are like they watch their favorites on tv and then they go to a show and all the amateurs suck and they're like yeah. oh i could be better than that for me it was never that i was like i hope i can be better than that yeah yeah <laughs> when i when i went to a local show for the first time I couldn't believe how good they were, but I went to a good, like a really good oh, show. Yeah. I went to one of Kurt's shows and yeah, yeah. Um, all these great comics who were just, who were just about to move were, were on the show. And I was like blown away at how good they were. And then that was, that was closer to my experience. That like, I, I remember watching like probably my first time ever at the Arlington draft house open mic, just like the, the people that were in the block there watching that. And then, you know, being like, wow, these people are here. Yeah. Like they're so good. And I've never seen anyone do comedy like those people before. Yeah. Like I saw like Madi for the first time. Yeah. I was like, like, I've never weird, seen anything like, like kind of weird Jamel. comedy. Yeah. I saw Jamel there. I was like, I've never seen anything like this. Right. He was just like crushing. Right. Yeah, man. Those guys are fun to watch back then. Yeah. That, like when they were like super young and like no, no cares about any, anything beyond just trying to be funny that yeah. night. What did you go to Arlington soon after you started? Pretty soon, yeah. Like how, like a, a couple months? Yeah, probably. I yeah. remember, and then Philippe Schaefer gave me like tips about it. Yeah. Because I think if he hadn't given me those tips, I don't know what would have happened. But what he did he like, tell you? He was like, if you get bumped, just keep going back. Oh, yeah. And then like after I was in, he was like, you got to ask to host. They're yeah. not going to ask you and all these things. So like, Yeah, Philippe definitely helped me too with yeah. that stuff uh, when I first started. Because he, he was... Uh, him and Larrick were like the like young hosts yeah. at that time. Um, and Philippe, yeah, he definitely told me that same stuff. And you need to, you need to know it. Like you have to find oh, out bro. what to do because you, when you first start, like you don't know who to be friends with and stuff. You don't know, you don't realize that some of the people you're hanging out with are just like toxic people that oh, everybody, Oh, you knew I didn't, I didn't have a good sense of it. So like, and, and there was like, 
maybe that I was like, maybe this person's onto something and everyone else is wrong. Like, you know, yeah, just yeah, like yeah. charismatic people that you're hanging out with. Yeah, so. I can remember I when I started, it was like one of the first mics I went to, a couple of the guys were like, well, this is our crew. Like we started together and it's like, uh, no, man, sorry. This is not our crew. I'm not <laughs> in your crew, dude. <laughs> like I'm already like I could just tell like immediately like I'm like, I already know who I'm going to be friends with, man. It's going to be Ahmed and Lafayette and yeah. like those guys like it just we're just they were fine guys, but yeah we really just did not have enough in common it's like we just happened to go to the same mic at the same time that's right. not enough to build a lasting friendship on and i i already knew like i'm like i'm gonna be able to surpass this this these this group of shows yeah quickly no for me at every level it was literally like i hope i can get to whatever the next level is i hope so much and ahmed was like ahmed was like real cold to me yeah, I think that was a lot of people's experience. And he was, and he's just like, you know, he thought he was so much better than me because I was brand new and terrible, but I, I fucking knew. I was like, dude, you're not better than me. <laughs> <laughs> you think you're better than me, but just get, just get over it. You're going to have to get over it eventually. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it took me a long time to like, to realize it was just bigger than just proving to yourself that you're funny. Yeah. For the longest time I had in my head, despite like mountains of evidence I had it in my head that it's just like someone's like from the industry is like you you're the one kid come right this way come on like it Here's was just the, you're the hottest kid in town Broadway <laughs> nights you know like I thought yeah, it was yeah. gonna be like that yeah eventually there'll be a guy in a suit watching in the yeah. crowd at Townhouse Tavern dude I I was just thinking about this because I quit my job this year that I'd had for years I had it since my first year of comedy like a salary job nice job I was saving I was living in like group yeah. houses but I was like I remember when I started I was like yeah, I'll do this for like two, maybe three years. Then I'll be on TV, be like a tour yeah, headliner yeah, yeah. by then. <laughs> and it's like, no, I'm like barely in and in every room at the, the two or three years from then. Yeah, the the worst thing is like finding out like even once you are on TV, you're still poor. Like oh, you're yeah. still not like it's still you got to be on TV for a while before Bro, you're. That set me back learning about that, like learning about different people that I really looked up to that had TV spots. I'm like, oh, shit, they still live with like four people and they walk dogs and like Bushwick. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Because it used to be like a real, you know, probably four or five years ago. It was kind of like a mystery what happened when people left and went to New York. Like there was a group that like got successful like way before us yeah Parna and, uh, and rory and everybody and then everybody else is going up there and you just you don't I really know what the fuck again. goes on and you're like well i don't know eventually i guess we'll be rory uh yeah you know, <laughs> we just keep doing this uh but like i i think it's i mean it's at least more realistic now you can there's a lot more information out there you can oh, yeah. you have an idea of what you're what you're getting into because it's really something oh, you know yeah. the difficulty of uh yeah, no, I just lucked out by, like, what class I was in, I think, a lot. Like, I was behind all, like, the people who built, like, you know, all the people who, like, built DC into, like, the comedy town yeah. it is now. Where, like, I think I heard Stav say this, where, like, a finally, like, the city caught up with how good the scene was. Yeah. But, but like, back in the, the early days. Definitely. And I was, like, I was, like, the class behind that. So I got to watch it all pan out and from, like, the business side too which is so important yeah because those guys were so funny um like uh when i started the shows at big hunt they were already funny and great yeah. and then i was able that was part of, that was why big hunt 
you know, was successful from the beginning is because those guys are ready to go. Right. You know, you just had to plug them in. You just had to give them the spots. Right. And, uh, yeah, it was real nice to see that come together. Right. Yeah. That's what I mean. I got lucky where like, I mean, I used to go up 17th at townhouse tavern on your, yeah, on your shows and stuff. And I didn't get put on at big hunt at the beginning, but like just me having to follow Madi for years and then Twitey and Jamel and Lafayette for just years and watching better people like go figuring out and watching better people like have hiccups in the road and <laughs> figure out how to like hopefully not have those yeah. hiccups or whatever. Yeah. You were Joey Duffield. At, yeah. When you were at townhouse tavern, you were like a new guy promising, you yeah. know, only getting spots uh, in hope that you'll get better eventually <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and fix your, you know, your slight attitude issues. Yeah. Uh, I definitely over had time. A, I had some attitude issues. I think, I think I mentioned this on your podcast on 60 minute hate, uh, yeah. but yeah, but I offered you a host spot pretty early and you were like, nah, that's okay. <laughs> and I was just so I was like, okay, man, <laughs> okay, I guess go do spend your time doing those other bad shows. Like I don't know what I don't know what I, path you want to be on, but I think I I don't I don't remember that at all. I have zero recollection of it. I remember it um, because I was like, because I I've, I felt I was like I thought you had a lot of potential, so I was like, you just need reps, you know, yeah, you just yeah. need reps, you just need time to be on stage and get comfortable. Like it's <laughs> it's exactly what you need, and you're like, no thanks. And it's like, <laughs> okay, man. <laughs> but then eventually you did become a host, a long time host. Yeah. How long did you host Wonderland? A couple Four years. Four years. Four years. <laughs> oh my god. I hosted it from the beginning, bro. Oh my god, that was a huge move to uh, getting out of Grand Central. What a a huge mistake on my part oh, starting yeah. that show at Grand Central but moving that to Wonderland um that was a nice Wonderland is a good Sunday show yeah, yeah yeah and then you really you let it through you let it through into being fully good. established it was room. pretty bad when I first started yeah and it's like really hard really hard to get them going on a Sunday oh yeah but I think that was like a lot of like lifting weights for you oh for sure dude I used to make myself when I hosted that, it was every Sunday, and it started at seven. Oh yeah, it used to start it at started seven. seven yeah. So it would just like fuck up my whole Sunday. I would be. I remember one night there was like twelve people there, and I'm like trying my best to open up the show, and I was just like, I just was like, I left hanging out with my family to be yeah. here, and that was like the one laugh I got in my house because <laughs> it was so brutal. Everyone was like, "Damn, that sucks." But I used to make myself. You would let me do like ten or fifteen up top to host. Yeah, and I would just be like, "Don't do any material." only do crowd work only yeah. get good with like i made myself and then i used to do that thing where i would just shit on the comic yeah who went before because it was like a not a good show and in the beginning in the beginning then it got good then it didn't make sense to do that anymore right right and there was a lot of really new people and then so i would like i would be like trying to come up with like funny stuff to say to keep it going after someone bombed yeah to like not torpedo the room yeah, yeah. i felt so responsible for that room yeah you because uh, it's like it makes you feel responsible for it because you got to deal with the the pain of the end of the show you're, yeah because you're still going on stage saying like give it up for and it yeah. sucks because <laughs> eventually they just stop clapping oh yeah you just say it they just stare at you and like there's no more <laughs> clapping left in the in the crowd but yeah i think uh i think it does make you so much stronger because you just look you just psychologically learn how to get over 
the bad room and like will them to like and, yeah. get going to the yeah. extent that it's possible and be okay with like four four out of five things you say to get them back failing but one yeah of them yeah working, yeah you know yeah building up the like the thick skin i used to say really mean stuff because they would react to it yeah. but then people started getting mad at me which and i was audience like audience members no like comics <laughs> why you're being too mean yeah oh, t- toward the comics towards the comics because it was like getting laughs from oh the you're hurting their feelings yeah but like I, w- I mean it's like the whole time i'm like obviously who am i i'm just like we're doing what co- like i remember when i started at potomac grill rob Mayer would host it and he would just shit on people yeah and it was like oh he's a vet right and he's like yeah that's just what we do so i was yeah, like yeah. oh that's just what comics do yeah i think the things <laughs> are a little bit i mean they're just over time they get a little bit more uh refined and like there's mm-hmm. a little bit less there's a little bit more of an understanding of like yeah well you know people uh, do have feelings you don't have to be yeah, yeah you don't have to shit on each other constantly for, that's not the only way to like interact with people true true it took me a while to like realize that honestly yeah it's it's i go back and forth because i it's fun to mess with people yeah. but i also no. I I get tired of it sometimes when people are constantly shitting. Yeah, when on it's it. when they're on all the yeah yeah. But like I part of the reason I of things that like attracted me to comedy was like the brutal honesty of it. Yeah, like I wanted to hear what the other comics said about me. Yeah, and that like <laughs> fucked up like uh, oh really mas- in that like masochistic way. Oh weird. I wanted to like I wanted to shit on other comics. I wanted them to shit on me. Oh, like you only felt comfortable if we're like you have to like get all your faults like out. Yeah, out in the open yeah. so that you know like i know what my faults are i can talk about them like i'm yeah, not hiding yeah. from them that's funny yeah yeah it's this weird it's a weird level of insecurity i feel that i'm like i don't have any i don't like if you don't like something about me just keep it to yourself <laughs> i don't ever want to hear about it i'm not interested in ever getting roasted or being a part of any oh, roast yeah. situations like no. just i mean that was before i like uh went to like therapy and did like <laughs> self-inquiry and stuff i like needed to have it happen in public did you start going to therapy after you started comedy? Yeah, bro. Comedy made me go. Really? Bro. How so? Because like I had this idea of myself. I had this like this is the like comedy was like the Benji I wanted to be. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. Like it was like, okay, this guy's like the the life of the party. Yeah. You know? yeah. Funny guy, you know, head of the room. Everybody's paying attention. That was who I wanted to be. That's really and funny. And then uh yeah, just like it's funny, there's enough chips at that this idea like this hologram you have in front of yourself yeah. there's enough chips to it and there was like a final one that just chopped it down i was like oh i'm not that guy fuck who am i ah. you know oh, i was like yeah, yeah. you know one of those things where i was like i made a sketch and i was watching it and i didn't like my performance in it yeah and i was like all right next time just like be more yourself and then i was like but who is yourself you know yeah <laughs> it yeah just sent me spiraling out oh really yeah that's interesting and then like well luckily i mean luckily i fucking did the work on myself to like so who did you end up being i don't know i'm still figuring it out but i'm not i feel like i'm way more whatever my true personality is it's on stage and in life too because you you start you're starting off thinking like you're going to be create this new a persona yeah but as you do stand up you realize you do best when you are yourself like the crowd reacts to you the most right if you're being genuine right and that's how you connect and like really get good at it um and then you're like fuck i was i thought i could do this too but, but i think the thing was like sub it's all subconscious stuff that you're not like aware of yeah. but i was like i think i hated w- what my idea of myself was so i was like i'm gonna make like a new one why did you hate yourself so much i don't know you just well how did you feel like when you were in 
college. I was like, all right. You're fine. What about high school? Fine. I was kind of like a emo kid, sort of. Yeah, eh, that's normal. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty emo, melancholy a lot. And so, do you feel like, do you are you feeling pretty true to yourself on stage now? Oh, we a were lot just, more. Yeah, we were just talking about uh, over the weekend you because you've been doing comedy in a lot of other cities recently. Yeah. And uh, you were talking about kind of the difference in the crowds. Yeah. And how you kind of had more freedom and maybe it would be like another layer to be like more of yourself. Right. Where you can be, you don't have, cause DC is like very sensitive there. Mm-hmm. Everybody's very politically correct right. and worried about what other people think. And it's less like that in other cities. So, you know, you've got pretty comfortable on stage and like, you're more like yourself, but maybe there's even another, I'm sure there's f- several more layers for you to go to get like deeper into. Yeah. Yourself. Yeah. Yeah. The stuff I really want to say and think is funny and stuff. But yeah, no, that's why like my fa- I think my favorite comedians are like the most conversational ones. Like I've when I started, I just wanted to say funny things mm-hmm. and then people would laugh. And then yeah. I quickly learned that you can't just stand there dead eyed and say funny things. No, it's not enough. It's there has not to be nearly enough because I remember being new and watching people I thought sucked dick just kill for like the room that I was doing right. the same shit. We were on the same shitty shows and I would do mediocre and they would like have a great set. And I'm like, but they're bad. Yeah. They're objectively bad, but they just had like a lot of stage presence and personality. Right. And I was like, they're, all right, they're, maybe if I meet halfway, I'll be way better than them. And then here we are. It's like six years after that. I finally, I am better than them. But yeah. Cause you're <laughs> saying that their, their material is bad, but yeah, their, their material performance sucks. is good. Yeah. The performance is good for whatever, you know, for that shitty material. It's yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I, it always I feel like it always comes down to like people are like really good performers in the beginning and terrible writers, or they're good writers and terrible performers, and uh, hardly anybody can do both. Yeah, right at the beginning. No, I mean for me, every I feel like I'm on the writer side. Yeah, I feel like my jokes are pretty well. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I'm a much more writer style comedian, but like I've learned like. I've started putting a lot more into like every line and it like work. It's such a dumb trick, but it's like jokes that didn't work. Me just standing there when I'm really selling every line. Yeah. They work. Yeah. That it's, that's just part of it. But I'm like, I know the joke's good. So I guess I have to do that. I guess I have to do all the tap dancing to make them realize it's a good joke. You used to have, uh, you used to have more nervous energy on stage too. Cause you, you used to like really pace around a lot and you would like kind of move around, but like, yeah, that was, I think that was very off putting. Yeah, it was, it was, it was making it hard. I think it was making the crowd wonder how comfortable you were. Yeah. No, I you think, seemed uncomfortable. I think seemed I seemed uncomfortable. really uncomfortable. And I don't know. I don't, I mean, I still feel like I have, I'm just in general have a lot of, like I pace. Yeah. Like to, I can't, if I'm sitting still, I get like itchy. Yeah. Like like, <laughs> that's funny <laughs> yeah i like can't people people always telling me that like other comics are like yeah we were talking and then you just like walked away oh I yeah, have these, yeah, like, yeah i have yeah. these like autistic episodes yeah you do i have like certain things that i do and I, i'm like i'm sorry i didn't mean i wasn't trying to be rude i just like couldn't be there anymore i was like my body yeah. hurt to stand there <laughs> that's funny because <laughs> i did i've seen you walk away from conversations before like that yeah yeah but it's just like i'm not trying to be rude i'm not i just I like, didn't can't. realize you were all itchy inside yeah when bro, that was happening that's what's going on but yeah, no, I think I've like, I don't know what that was about on stage, but I think it was, I think it's just being uncomfortable. And I think it just, to, from the outside, it seemed like it just gradually went away on its own just from being on stage all the time. Yeah. Kind of like, uh, 
how like Donnie's stutter will go away. Yeah. Just because he's not nervous yeah. anymore. And it, it, so it's not provoking it. And yeah. you don't have to do anything other than get the reps in so that you're just at home on stage. And then your energy can be intentional. Right. And then it can really, it can serve you. Because pacing around and being active on stage can be great because it can build the energy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's all it's a, all comes down to like how the audience is perceiving it because if they perceive it as as nervous yeah no i learned a lot of like through failing that way like good because because uh that's the thing is like i think by the time i started i was already like a pretty relatively sophisticated stand-up fan so yeah. like i like I was like, okay, but it's just like about the jokes, you know? And I didn't, I like didn't put that much like weight on how people seem on stage. I think the jokes are more important. I do, but I think they're really, at the end of the day, they're like 25%. And like, wow. I think for the audience, do you think like, for me, it's not, but I think for an audience, I think it's like 25% joke, 75% personality, stage presence. I think in terms of, I think maybe that's true if you're looking at audience reaction, like if you were measuring how much sound was coming out of the uh, audience. But I think that there's a different side to that, which is how the audience feels when they're leaving yeah. and how they feel about you as a comic. Because there are comics who don't get huge laughs that really connect with the audience. That's true. And I've had a lot of sets that were not great, mm-hmm. especially like, a long time ago and but people would say a lot of stuff to me about my jokes they would come up and talk to me about the jokes and you know appreciate them and especially a lot of jokes that don't really work they mm. they like the ideas are funny it just isn't an idea that can make people spontaneously laugh yeah that's you know it's funny like i've learned that some of my favorite jokes are jokes where like i'll be doing pretty well with my regular material and I do one of these jokes that I really love. Yeah. And like, I won't get as big a reaction from most of the audience as I was on the previous jokes, but a couple people I'll see them like yeah, yeah. doubling over or something yeah. or, you know, or like laughing a lot. I'll like catch them out of my eye. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, there's something to this. Joke. Yeah, definitely. There's really something to this. Cause I'm connecting with the, those people get, that's what I always, after some of those jokes, I'm like, if you like that, you should like follow me because that's like right. what I'm about. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I wonder, uh, I wonder if it's possible, like if you have to change those jokes slightly, or it's a matter of it's a matter of just finding enough people that are like that mm-hmm. to listen to it and appreciate it and you can keep you can just do what you want to do because there everybody has jokes that they like that it's it's funny with those jokes too because they will kind of change the vibe in the room i think like people will re- even if they're not like you're not getting as big a laugh over some like mainstream kind of down the middle thing that you're doing I think people will start to understand your personality more. Like, especially if you're doing longer sets. Yes. That's why I like to throw those in, in like the middle a lot of times and be like, this is really what I'm about. So now you understand that when I'm doing this next joke, which you probably would like as much, but I want you to understand. Like I was watching Shane Gillis this weekend and probably one of the toughest audiences, least well attended show of the, I mean, they were all great, but like it took, he did like 50 minutes and it, he was just being him very genuinely him. 
and doing his material and riffing and stuff. And by like halfway through, they just got, they finally understood him. And it was like, yeah, just great till the end. Yeah. It took 25 minutes, but I was like, okay. It was like up and down. Right. With his great material and great riffs mm-hmm. and stuff. And I was like, okay, this is like, that is exactly on a bad, tough show. That's like what I want to be doing. Yeah. To be able to get them eventually. To make them understand yeah. you. I feel like Madi has a lot of that mm-hmm. where people are just, he's, he comes out and I mean, he clearly enjoys having that dynamic, but he comes out doing stuff that the crowd does not understand and it takes them a while. And I think that people get really nervous watching Madi at first because <laughs> he keeps talking about how he hasn't started his set yet. And he's fucking around and like it may it gives me so much anxiety because I'm like, just come on, man. Just tell your jokes, man. <laughs> just kind of just have a good set. Like because you, you watch it. You're like, is he ever going to tell a joke? Is he going to do it? And then there they will just you can just see the audience relax at one point where they just realize what he's doing and that he's in control and that he's not a crazy person or yeah. like a brand new comic that's nervous. He's completely comfortable. He just is playing with the energy. And it's it's kind of fun to watch, but it's you know, I would love it if he just crushed start to finish. <laughs> that's my, that's generally my preference for it. So you also, uh, while you were in DC, you also started Time Machine Rose. I guess did you take that over? Yeah. So Ahmed was doing it. Ahmed did like two of them, mm-hmm. and then he like quit. Yeah, that's how he does it. Yeah. yeah, and then so me and Dylan were like, "Hey man, can we do your show?" Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Yeah, I don't care." And. Uh, it turned into a very popular yeah, show. Yeah, we took it. Ahmed was doing it at Rendezvous Lounge in Adams Morgan with like, there was probably like 10 to 15 people showing up. Yeah. And then we just, me and Dylan just walked into the improv and we're like, yeah, we'd like to do this in the main room, please. Uh-huh. And they were just like, okay, we respect the chutzpah, right. but uh, we're going to do it in the lounge first. Uh-huh. And then uh, that show sold Which is out. smart. Yeah. No, that show sold out. And then we're like, okay. And then we did it in the main room and it's been a success ever since. And then- we did it at the Kennedy Center for the first time this year. How so, long have you been doing it? Like two and a half years. And so this year, Jeff Ross produced a similar show for Netflix, yeah. uh, which is a bummer. Yeah. Those guys have been had been doing that show out. It's kind of a very similar show. They've been doing yeah. There was a similar show in L.A. that we were like aware of, but we were like we saw some videos and we were like this kind of sucks. Yeah. And like ours was just better, like yeah, <laughs> like like uh, and especially the thing that Je- the people put out with him, it was like it was hard to watch. I haven't I haven't seen any. It of was it. brutal. It was not even real. It wasn't even our show. At first, I was mad because I was like, oh fuck, they did my show. Yeah. Well, what else could happen this year? It was like the worst year of my life, and like, okay, they're gonna do my show also. And then I watched it and I was like, this isn't even my show. This is like. This is like when you go to like Frederick Douglass's house and they do a historical reenactment. Oh, really? It was like not a roast. It was barely, it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I. Aside from like me having a, a show with like a similar name, but like it was, it was tough. Yeah, cause I have, I haven't heard any positive reviews of it. Dude, I was, I was like, uh, hate reading reviews. Mm-hmm. on like Twitter and stuff and there was it was hilariously mean stuff that people were saying about it. I wonder if they're just going to be done with it after There's that. There's no way they'll fucking renew that. But I, uh it was a bummer because it's like now I can't do mine on TV. And mine's is. a true roast. We right. have 
seven performers on the dais. We just roast each other. It's mean as fuck. It's not PC at all. And it's like, it's a really fun show. It looks cool too. You guys get all dressed up. We get dressed and up. And you do, you guys look funny. We look funny. The, the it's cost- not like, it's not like you just put a mustache on and you're like. No, we try. And like people work really hard on the jokes. And the, like some people do like straight jokes. Some people do like a whole character. And it's great. Like there's a mix of it. I have like lots of different. I mean, it's like, it's just funny to have like, like the per- person of the wrong race playing somebody or yeah. like wrong gender <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Yeah. It just, it makes it extra funny. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I lo- I really liked it when you um, opened up your podcast with a clip from it. Oh yeah. Maybe we should do that more. Cause it, it sounds, it's funny and you're like, it's cool. And I it made me want to like put stand up clips yeah. on this podcast. Dude, I mean, it, it's like, it's funny cause we were just doing it. We were like, this, this could be like a fun show. And then it's like, oh yeah, we can sell like, 250 tickets at the dc improv which is like a great club yeah and then i and then i was like wow i was the first dc comic to have like my own show at the kennedy center i mean you produced a show there obviously before me but yeah what makes it your own show (laughs) well because like i produce it and like sorry man i think i got you beat by several well what how was my show not my show? well i'm on it (laughs) i close every one i use i hosted the first one And I, I, I only did the first year, but and I, the only reason I didn't host the other ones is I was trying to be nice and let people do spots uh, at the Kenny Center because, like, I did that spot, but I was like, you know, I, my thing when I book that that showcase I do at the Kenny Center every year is that I try to just spread the spots out because it's fun to do it. It's like it's exciting if you never performed there before. Sure. So I try to like, I try to just get the best comics who've never been on it before mm-hmm. each year when I'm booking it to just give people a chance to be on it. Otherwise I would have hosted all of them. Um, so, <laughs> okay. So. We'll let the judges sort it out, but I think, <laughs> but your show is a better show though. My show is just a stand up show. It's not yeah. nothing exciting. Your show is like a real, it's like a really unique thing. It's yeah. fun. Yeah, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see what, are you going to, you have any plans for it? You're, I guess you kind of got to wait and see like if people forget about that. Netflix yeah, we'll thing. see. I don't know. I'm just going to keep trying to like, like the reason I was able to quit my job was like producing the show. So like, I'm just going to keep trying to get it at like high profile venues and yeah. Cause you could, uh, I mean, you could take it to festivals and stuff. True. Yeah. Um, Cause that's the kind of thing. A lot of festivals love booking is just like kind of themed shows mm-hmm. to have something interesting um as a part of it yeah so you did that show with dylan meyer yeah i don't know if you want to talk about this (laughs) but uh dylan passed away last year yeah and that was pretty tough and uh you were probably the closest with him of anybody in the city Mm -hmm. and uh it took i i'd say it, it took a few months before you were like yourself again oh yeah bro you how was that? I was like the that was like the fucking worst thing that ever happened to me, dog. Yeah, man, we started together and everything and we used to like write together and we went through a lot like all the new comic stuff. Like it was like me, Dylan, and then our crew was like Martin and, and Chris Milner. Milner. And uh yeah, we were like thick as thieves for a while, you know. Yeah. I would you guys were kind of annoying, I would say. Yeah. Well, four of you together. Yeah, we were annoying. And, like, we would annoy each other. It got better once Milner got kicked out. 
of the country. <laughs> yeah, Milner was the instigator. Milner was the meanest of of you guys. Yeah, he really didn't care. He was uh, truly mean to the New York comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I like Milner, but I felt, I mean, watching him interact with other people, it's just like, and and then... Milner's kind of a, he's kind of like a Larry David guy where like every situation is escalated into something like mean and uncomfortable where mm-hmm. you're like why does your whole life have to be a series of conflicts yeah 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 it's always yeah always a lot like, why do you always i don't have a problem with that person why do you always have a problem with that? yeah yeah he ta- well it's because he takes everything so personally mm-hmm. everything is very personal to him uh so i mean dude we used to hang out like every night and talk shit and just you know laugh and yeah. everything but there was times where like we would try to play we were at like milner's place and we'd like be playing pool and it just couldn't be pool. It had to be like this huge, like, uh, like kind of like uh budding of antlers kind of thing. And like, everyone was like talking shit and getting like very personal. And then like, really, we, yeah, there was one night where we like didn't hang out for like a week after. Oh, got too real. Yeah. I got just like, Oh wow. Got, I've like, never, I see. I never really experienced that with Milner. Like, I mean, every, he's always been friendly with me. The only, like he, the the worst thing I have to deal with with him is that his feelings get hurt if I don't like talk to him enough. Oh, he gets he gets upset about. No, that. it was just too many like. The thing about us, me, Martin, Dylan, and Chris was like we were all so close at where we were in like our standing in our career yeah, and all like, the locally and everywhere. We were all so close that it felt like we was like every little thing was like so comp- it was kind of this like competitive thing even though we were like rooting for each other like like, uh, like if somebody together. got something big it it messed up the balance of yeah like, what and like was- we were kind of in a way yeah either I assume there was like some jealousy and stuff of, yeah I'm sure yeah but uh yeah no Dylan I mean like that was like a huge obviously a huge shock of just like losing someone and then like. The whole thing of like, you know, just feeling like I still feel like there's like it's so much has changed in the last year. Mm-hmm. Like for me. Yeah. And like how I've approached life and like comedy and stuff, which just still feels like there's a, like a big Dylan hole. Missing. How do you think it, it you changed? I got a lot more serious about it, I think. You did. Yeah. Yeah. I got a lot more serious about comedy for sure. And then also thinking about my relationships with other people and stuff and how I was just going to approach every day of it. Cause it was tough for me. I had like a very negative relationship with comedy. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can trend negative, I think in your very easily toward in, in everything. I think toward everything, it seems like you can, yeah, just no, I'm just of, wired that way. Yeah. But I remember, you know, after that, I mean, a lot of people were really messed up from it and you know, I was you know, I was worried about the guys who were with him that night. They were yeah. pretty messed up. And yeah. then I was worried about you. Uh, and, you know, you're just like, is it like, how how are we going to get back to normal? Like, how are we going to like, you know, pretend like, not not pretend like it didn't happen, but how are we gonna just going to like feel like we can just go to shows and like be happy and everything. It's like we can focus on yeah. while we're trying to focus on everything. And, but then after, after a few months, you know, it was clear like you you flipped a switch and you're like, I'm gonna be serious about this now. Yeah. And then, that's when you you elevated by having that new attitude and like going so hard for it. That's when you became. That's when you got up to that hot that top level in the city. Right after that. Yeah, I think there was like a. 
correlation for sure. Yeah, there's like a, it's just like just to be so sad that you lost somebody that you're so close to and that had like so much potential. But then also to be like just how, like how everybody loved him. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I want to be first of all, I'll never be like as loved as him. Right. But like I also was like I don't want to be I don't want people to think I'm a dick cuz I'm not a dick. I just I was like I'm going to be nicer to people. I'm yeah. going to be more open. I'm going to be more vulnerable. I'm just going to try to have a good time more cuz that's what it's about. Like yeah. you would have done that. And then also the thing of like okay, I'm going to be the Dylan. It's like I'll never be that. No, you can't. No, I can't. I just it's not in me. Cuz that's to, his natural personality. Yeah, his natural yeah. personality is like it's kind of magnetic. It's yeah. like and it's just so like fun loving like yeah yeah he, he just always wants to be hanging out and right. and having fun it's always he's like always wants to mix it up you know yeah yeah and then like me going through that whole thing of being like you won't be that and feeling bad about it and then just being like no just like that whole process of like working through it all just being like you're just gonna be you and like just try to honor him as much as possible and everything that i do just like what would dylan do right now yeah and how would dylan treat this situation and how would he would you know what would he think and how would he try to make it better? Yeah. And it's like, it, it, you know, if you, if you really think, if you think about it, it's, uh, it's really sad. We're thinking about him, like in particular, you think about like how much potential he had. Um, and he, he was also like, you know, he's right with you. So he, he would be ready to move to New York now too. Yeah. And, uh, just performing so well. And it's, it's, you know, it feels like a huge loss, but to me, I think he really, he like broke through the last six months, um, that he was performing and was like, you could really see, you could see all the potential like clearly at that point. Yeah. And I think, I mean, for me, at, at least he, like everybody knows, like everybody who saw him now, like, knows. Yeah, like no, it, he would have been a huge, it was like a matter of time. Yeah, man. I think after that, it was like kind of like Chris had to leave like suddenly. Was and Chris still here then? No. Yeah. That was the whole thing. Chris was like not allowed in the country. He couldn't even come to the funeral. Right, right. And, and then, uh, yeah, then Dylan died a couple months later. And then so me and Martin were just like, all right, I guess we got to like carry the load. Like, I think we yeah. were just like, it wasn't the four of us anymore. It was no. like the two of us. It felt like from our class. Right. You know? And Martin is like, Martin's a pretty private guy. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, he keeps to himself. It's kind of quiet. And uh, it's it's not the same as like hang, you and Martin. It's not no, the same no, as no. you and Dylan, who's like all up yeah. for stuff all the time. Right, right. Yeah. Like the dynamic, I mean, me and Martin are still really close, but the dynamics obviously like way different with just the two of us. Right. Because yeah. you you're just different people. Yeah. And then it's like now, like, I think <laughs> it's funny. I didn't even thought about this. But since Dylan died and Chris was gone, it was like me and Martin and like the before the dynamic was like the four of us. Right. And now the dynamics of two of us. And that's why I think because Martin is so good at like the business and marketing side, I've gotten a lot. I've started focusing yeah. a lot, lot more on that instead of like the fun goof off. Right. Side, the which hangout Dylan's, side. Yeah. I started getting more like thinking bigger than just, you know, having the best riff in the back of Hunt, which is obviously the reason why I like wanted to do comedy in the first place. Right just to goof around with funny people but like but at a certain point it's like like i want to do this for a living i don't yeah I hated exactly my job it was fine but i just hated doing it and i was like i don't i want to do comedy i want to be like hanging with 
funny people all the time and then going and performing comedy, which is like my favorite thing in the world. So yeah. And if you're going to make it your job, it's I had, really yeah. hard. And I was like, okay, Martin is like the best. Martin's like a savant at this. So I'm just going to try to learn from him as much as possible. So I think that's like, you could point the, that like since Dylan and Chris are gone, like this is like my Martin phase now. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, trying to get really like focus on the business side. There, there's like people who are like, that are personality wise, like obvious that I think that I would be friends with. Like Madi is like very similar to my wife. Like they, they have yeah. like very similar personalities and uh, you know, it's just makes sense that I, I would be friends with them. But I think there's like some people like, like Philippe and Martin who are kind of un- more, more unusual in a different way. And it, they're not obviously people that I would like hang out with, but I've always appreciated them because they think about things in a, in a slightly different way, both right. of them. And I always felt like every time I was talking to them, I would like get something from it. Mm-hmm. Like I would think about things in a different way. From, oh yeah. From Martin it. will fuck me up. Martin will say something and it'll be like, I'll get my whole shit will be shaken up. Yeah. It's like it, sometimes talking to Martin is like when you smoke too much weed and you're like, <laughs> Oh no, I'm doing this all wrong. <laughs> like sometimes that's what, yeah. And yeah, it's bro. been, it's been awesome to see, um, you know how, what he's been able to do over oh, the yeah. past two years especially yeah, yeah, like yeah. uh business wise so i i mean i love it i love seeing i love seeing people get good at stand-up i love seeing martin build this following up and be able to go take it out to la mm-hmm. and uh and now you're gonna get to go get established in new york and seeing britney in paris up there oh yeah i mean it's really exciting and we because we really we just it's been hard to have people break through outside of just a couple people outside of like Stav and Wardell and yeah. How are you feeling about going up there? Are you feeling I mean it's optimistic? like yeah. I feel like I, when I go up there, I'm like I'm better than a lot of people here. That's what I think. Yeah. It's just about people, other people recognizing that. Yeah. The first time I went to comedy festivals, like do, like performed on them, I realized uh, how good comedy was in dc oh yeah because i'm looking around and i'm just like what the fuck is this <laughs> this is what everything else is because i never saw because i never i never saw comedy outside of the headliners that came to dc and people that are doing comedy in dc and going you know just seeing seeing the other people who are three or four years in it's like oh all right we're way way ahead and then having and then the people that come down to to do big Con or to feature and stuff and it's just like they're pretty they're not they're not as good as as the people who are featuring here yeah. um so i you know the i think the talent is there and uh the maturity is there it's just it's just like breaking through cuz it's a fucking it's there's so many things that aren't about talent right you know they're about making the connections and getting things going very true you also started a podcast while you were here. Yeah. With Denise Taylor. Uh-huh. 60 Minute Hate. How are you feeling about that? It's good. It's fun. I mean, it's like we're it's in this weird way we have more listeners than I thought, but it's like not as many as I wanted. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I think it's I think it's entertaining, fun podcast. Yeah. We get great feedback about it, but it's just like I wanted like tens and hundreds of thousands of, of people listening. And it's like it's not there. It but could happen though. It could happen. I I do I like I think they're we're like very consistently good funny yeah, episodes. So a lot of it is just like you just need to have a you just need to have a something get 
people's attention on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, I've seen plenty of people where like they've been plugging away at a right. podcast and then some they got a higher profile and all of a sudden they have a fan base because like the podcast is there. And it seems like podcasts are like five times more important than even your stand up these days. So You think so? Yeah. People are become a fan of you from the podcast and then they'll like come see you do stand up and they're like, Yeah, that was cool. I got what to see about, the guy from the pod. <laughs> what about, uh, do you feel like per- just performing all around in D.C., people are getting to know you? And yeah, like, I think and I'm like, finding the podcast? yeah, I'm like getting recognized and stuff more and like people I don't know will yeah. say stuff to it's me. It's pretty fun. Yeah, that is cool. That's a good feeling. I think they go together like they come both directions. The podcast, people find the podcast, then they go to stand up. Mm-hmm. People see the stand up and then they go. I think that that's why the podcast is so valuable because there's something for people to go consume mm-hmm. and there's they can stay connected to you over time yeah no i mean like just learning about all this stuff like i started doing this thing where i'm posting a new stand-up clip every week great i was just like i'm gonna do it nobody's like i was like i guess i'll burn my material but like it's not like people were coming to see it anyway right and i don't even know if it's burned yeah because, i don't like, think you so. could probably just delete it if you had uh, yeah, a chance I, to. I could easily delete it and like also i don't just do one minute bits my bits are like three minutes long so you'll hear you'll get two new minutes on every single one i hadn't really thought about that i wonder what i wonder what comedy central's feeling is going to be about that because everyone's doing that now everyone's putting out clips right yeah so that didn't used to happen no so now if people someone's putting out clips and they're popular and then they're going to get a half hour is comedy central going to let them do that material are they going to make them delete it i, was, like, what, I wonder what I they're going to do i was talking to someone i won't say who but they like turned down a comedy central thing because they're just like it's not worth it like yeah they were like telling me one of their friends had one and they were like i was trying to watch it and like it was behind a paywall i couldn't find it anywhere and yeah it's really thing. frustrating to even like if I feel like watching someone special, I'm like, no, it's too hard. I think about it for a second and I'm like, I don't want to deal with yeah, trying to like, figure out how to fucking watch. So this. like, then what's the best case scenario? You get the check, which is probably not bad, but then it's like, they, do they own the jokes? And then it's like, they're going to put out a 50 second clip. That's not the full thing. I see that so much. They put out these clips. And I'm like, people in the comments are like, this sucks. And I'm like, that wasn't the full bit. Yeah, it's and, like and you also don't. You, I don't think you get to pick what they're cutting yeah. out of it, and so sometimes, sometimes they make bad decisions about the part that they put on there. Yeah. Though in general, I think. I mean, if they gave they me one, okay I would job. jump at it right now. But sure, like, this person I, I was talking to had the options. So. Yeah. Right. I think people. Uh, I think it's good for you still to like just get in the mix with them establish the relationship yeah of course no i mean i think a lot of stuff they i like what they're doing with the the comedy seller stuff it's really cool yeah i love the comedy seller show yeah yeah and then like the comedy seller is such a great club and like 99 percent of the comics who work there are great and it's just like this is a a perfect idea Uh, when i heard that idea i was like wow yeah how does this not exist already (laughs) yeah 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 because it's like you know the Comedy Cellar got like super famous from like Bina and Louie. Uh-huh. And it's like, but that's like the coolest thing about it is just like the showcase nature of it mm-hmm. and the constant jokes and constant crowds there. Yeah. Um, so what are you guys going to do? How are you going to do a remote, the podcast? Because you're going to be separated We haven't now. really figured it out yet. You haven't thought about it? We have. I mean, we're figuring it out. Yeah. <laughs> I want to keep doing it. I think Denise should move, but. Yeah, Denise isn't as far along as you. I know, but she could be if she 
like she's got the advantage of like yeah. she's a woman and i think like there just aren't as many women doing stand up and she's good at it if she just like i think if she moved to new york she would be she would take off really quick i think but i think so too i i, I do i agree with that people like her yeah i think that i agree i think that she could move also and i think that that she would be fine um i think you know for her it's like i don't know that she's decided that she's ready to go all out like you you know you quit your job you're like i'm going all out i'm gonna this is what i'm gonna try to do right now yeah and i don't think that she has accepted that that's what she wants to do so i think that's where she is and it and to me it's like she's still early on and i think she could it it wouldn't hurt her to like get slightly better before she goes sure because no i tell i i mean i don't know i don't need to air this out but i'm always like dude if you just like if you went out if you did a few more spots a week oh yeah every week you'd be on tv in a year guaranteed i think yeah i mean i think she's got tons and tons of potential yeah she just uh she has a comfortable life right now so. well i think you guys should keep doing it personally yeah I always, I'm always surprised when I hear call-in podcasts that they can't make it sound better, that you can still tell that the person is like, I think there's a remote. better, I think there are good ways there's to do it. There must be some way. Yeah, they yeah. Can, you can both have a mic. They can make it. Yeah. yeah and then yeah. you just put them together. Yeah. Uh, so I think you should record separately and then add them together and put it out. I think <laughs> you should, should keep it going because. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Um, The more. Every episode is better on. and better, in my opinion. Right? Yeah, you're building up those skills too that are probably gonna be useful no matter yeah, what. Yeah, because that's do. like the, that's like as important as how good your stand-up is, how good of a guest you are on a podcast or host or whatever. And like the further along you go, like you know, hopefully you'll be like doing more interviews and having to be on shows where you're not doing stand-up. You're true. You're like on a panel or something, right. uh, and you just get used to talking like you get used to making jokes on the fly and yeah in a way that's not like this episode i haven't made very many jokes well this is not <laughs> this is not about making jokes really we're just trying we're trying to be we're serious to be thoughtful. you want to do some riffs you want to do some riffs <laughs> what do you think about pc culture sean Should PC we do some culture? Riffs i don't really that? fucking care about it personally <laughs> i mean it's an obstacle i think Oh, I think you should market yourself as a podcast that's against PC culture. I think that's. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, be the first we're podcast gonna get real. to tackle. We're the, gonna get real on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna take it down. I don't want to trigger people. You know, oh, but, uh, you should call it triggered, triggered. with Sean Joyce. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, that was a pretty good riff. Yeah. <laughs> now we can get back to serious. <laughs> and I don't know if you want to talk about this, but you you wrote a pilot. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do you feel about that? It's pretty funny. <laughs> okay, feel good. In my opinion, it's hard. That's a hard thing to do. It's like a new muscle because it's like right. you're so. I get so used to doing stand up, right? And then like when I do the roast, I'm like, once I get into roast mode, I'm just like slamming out jokes. Like yeah. I'm just like, you know, I like listen to old roasts to get geared up. I listen to my sets from previous ones. Wow. I'm like get I get all in the mood and I'm just. That's a lot of work, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's hours and hours of work. I mean. I have because I have to be good because I'm the end of the show. Yeah, I have to close it really strong. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, because it's and a it's good all, show. 
and it's, there's people there's crushers on that show yeah there's people there's sometimes where i'm like i'm gonna go up after this person and they're probably just annihilated yeah like sarome or like i was Ramin like yeah sarome you're first yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're first every time and the crazy part is it's all jokes brand new jokes that i've never done before and i just have to use my joke writer intuition if it's gonna yeah be good yeah or because not. yeah you don't get to test it out and i'm like constant i'm just running the thing over and over again by myself just being like and then finally being like why did i think that would be funny right it takes like i go through it 10 times and i'm like that one won't get a laugh yeah 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 i i know exactly the feeling when you you just keep saying it you try to say it in your voice like uh, imagine say, just talking through it yeah and when you kind of if you say the words or you just go through it in your head yeah you're like no do you ever that's the only thing i feel like i have like a that weird intuition feeling about i don't have that about it some people are like i know this person's about to call me or like, oh yeah yeah i know this person's like uh like there's whatever like those yeah. kind of things that kind of like psycho whatever stuff spirit whatever i don't know what it's called but i don't have that about anything except with like jokes when i get so into joke mode yeah I can like tell that they're not, I like, no, I'm a hundred percent certain they're going to like this one and they're not going to like that one. And you think you got a pretty good record, you think? Recently. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't really have that for stand up as much, but it's like when I'm spending, if I, probably if I spent that much time writing stand up jokes as I do writing roast jokes, maybe yeah. I would get that. <laughs> that's funny. But dude, writing that's, it made me better at writing Of course it does. Even though most of it I can't use on stage. I was going to say, is have you ever thought about trying to incorporate that yeah but i mean it's like it's like oh, hey have you guys heard of genghis khan like and everyone's like what and you're like okay well shakespeare also <laughs> dude what if you well, how about this idea what if you tried to you know if you have a spare month uh -huh. you could sit down and see if you could write the like rewrite those jokes into something that you could say as a stand-up outside of the context of the roast mm -hmm. and then do like an album of historical jokes yeah or i could just take clips from the roast itself and make that my instead of like trying to make people on well like I'm, I'm just saying like it would take it away because as long as it's as long as it's the as long as it's the historical roast and you're putting that out there that's the product you're putting out there but if you the one the time person machine roast what i oh yeah sorry the time <laughs> machine roast sorry sorry the most insult that's like when people mention other people's shows and yeah say they're mine um because <laughs> i'm like so insulted by it but like britney has a joke that she did for competitive erotic fan fiction yeah and that's like a go-to joke for her that's in in all of her important yeah, sets. Yeah. And I would imagine there's Dude, I've written some great jokes for yeah, the roast, yeah. but it would just be like, why are you talking about that? Well that's why I, I that's why I was thinking about the idea of like these are gonna be historical jokes. Like Well there's one joke that I wrote that I incorporated because I already had a chunk that was like kind of on yeah, the subject. Yeah. So I just threw it in there. But it would be weird. Like I wrote one <laughs> I wrote one for the last one about George Michael. But it's like, I don't know where I would put it. But it's like, to me, it's a very funny joke. But like, it was like, he thought LGBTQ stood for let's go to the bathroom together, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Which Wait, is you like, think you can do that joke about anybody. Yeah, I guess you could. But like, Just he got caught having gay sex in a bathroom. That's why it's Yeah, funny. yeah. <laughs> 
just wait someone's gonna get caught eventually yeah, again yeah, it'll yeah. happen again and you can uh, you can mm-hmm. bring it back I should do like a stand-up i should do like a colin quinn yeah yeah one man show thing yeah maybe the stuff like the what you're doing that's great is you have really gone out there and developed things outside of stand-up yeah in dc which is hard to do because there's nothing making you do that you know everybody's focused on the stand-up and the shows and like that's where you're really getting judged and you feel it and the other stuff is kind of if you don't do it, nobody says anything to you. Right, yeah. No, Martin always talks about how, like, barely anybody's doing, like, sketch stuff. Barely anybody's doing right anything like that here. Yeah. And it might be because the stand-up is so good. I think it might just be we don't have a culture of it in the local scene. Yeah. I mean, I feel slightly responsible for it, the lack of it, just because I... It's overwhelming amount of work to me to like try to get that stuff going and like it's easier for me to crank out stand-up it's shows. really hard to shoot a whole sketch it's yeah. so hard with like a small budget yeah the few times i've done it it's been like a monumental task it takes so much work it takes a ton of work and then like a lot of times you're stuck with editing it and you're like this it all- isn't even this is like you're not even sure it's going to be good yeah and it always falls on one person one person always ends up writing the whole fucking thing, yeah. buying all the stuff and then editing it. Yeah. And it's like, I think a couple, I, some, that's like a thing I like look back on and regret a little bit is that, um, there was a window where people were making videos and sketches and it kind of like Kyle Martin was doing them. Jason Nunez was doing them. Martin was filming them. Yeah. Um, Adam Friedland and Sarah were doing something. Yeah, so like there was kind of it was happening for a while. Even Foodie was making his own stuff. Yeah. And uh and it kind of that kind of like faded away a little bit and everybody just ended up getting locked into stand up. Mm-hmm. Which um, is not really like from a long term perspective, at least for individuals, it's not really good. It's good that everyone's getting good at stand up, but you should be like trying to that's what I realized when I was trying to write this pilot. I literally had to like I got a cabin in like Germantown, Maryland, because I like I was like I'm not. It's so hard that I can't make myself do it. Yeah, unless yeah, I yeah. <laughs> spend two nights in a in the woods somewhere. I have so much stuff like that where I just sit at my desk and I'm like I can't do it. I can't, dude. It, I like, can't it feels make myself impossible. Yeah, because I'm not so, used to doing it. So, how long were you there? I was there for like two nights. Two nights. Three and how, days. How two much nights. work did you get done? Not that much until like the final night where I was like, this is, I have to get, come back with something. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like pacing around like with just like these outlines and I was like, that sucks going for walks. <laughs> Did you, so when you look back on that, is that a, a important experience do you think? Yeah. It was a big <laughs> learning experience. <laughs> Did you basically just keep thinking about ideas and then you got to the deadline and you're like, well, I'm just fucking writing what I have now. Yeah. Yeah. I work so well under deadlines. And then, yeah, I can't do anything if, unless it absolutely has to be done as yeah. you've experienced plenty of times with my booking. <laughs> so I book and set up everything that at yeah, the last second yeah, possible. Yeah. But I think that's what like the next group of people who are going to have to like start to work to be the best and yeah. get ready to move. They're going to have, like, I think you did everything. You did all the steps. Perfect. Like, you got really good. You started going to festivals. You started going to other uh, cities. I don't know. Did you do many festivals? I've only done Limestone. Okay. We did a festival and then yeah. you were performing. That was like a big, that was a great experience too. 
because I it was like it was like going to other cities where I was like seeing my level of what yeah. they consider to be my level yes. of comics and who I think who is like they consider and being like that person's great that person actually sucks but this is right. my competition for right. festivals and spots and right and all that and just seeing like and then watching people and being like wow that person's like very good and interesting at stand up if they're my competition i got to get even more better and more interesting at yeah at stand up that stuff and uh wait what did we start talking about oh going to other cities yeah yeah and just like seeing what other audiences what are what other like. cities and did you go to i've been to philly a couple times new york a bunch of times boston um chicago and then that what do you think stuff. of chicago i like it's a great stand up town yeah there's so much there it's probably bigger than here yeah and yeah there's so much there and they have the laugh factory is crazy it's like really good mm -hmm. and uh yeah i got to do a spot there which was awesome and uh you know it's just like it's a good scene a lot of good people come out of there what they about boston Boston was cool too. I like it because like it was like Philly where the crowd like people that who live in that town are just mean people. Yeah. Philly, and that's like yeah. the kind of comedy <laughs> yeah. I like where someone's the butt of the joke. Right. Cause <laughs> I was talking to someone about this. I opened for that guy Ismo. Do you know him? He's the Finnish comedian. Uh, I don't not really, but But he does like it's a lot of word language yeah. based comedy, which is it's good. It's well done, but yeah. like I hate that. Yeah. I mean it's it's like I'm like nice job yeah yeah i like, mean it's like it's like one plus one equals joke. Yeah, yeah. you know it's like i it's, he's doing a, the, bur the best version of that but like there was one night where it was just like a lot of finnish people there uh -huh. and they just don't get american comedy right they don't understand our point of view about what's funny that like sarcasm and like uh exaggeration they're like yes but why would they say this right. you know, it's just like, no motherfucker like <laughs> they wouldn't that's why, why would your grandmother yeah. say such a thing it's like <laughs> yeah. mother do you not understand <laughs> no they don't that's what it felt like yeah i sometimes i wonder like i have no, i don't know anything about this stuff but it makes you wonder it's like is english the only language you can really do stand-up in i don't know but like Every other country just got stand up like in the last five or yeah. ten years. It's a very American art form. Mm -hmm. The point of view, the reason to like everything about it is very American. Yeah. It's sophisticated because in other countries, comedy is dressing up like a woman and falling down. <laughs> that's is what it, it is in every really? other country. Even like France, that's what they think is funny. I never thought about it. Is that what they're laughing at? I never paid any attention to what people. Yeah, in that's France the dumbass shit they like everywhere except England. And I don't even like English comedy that much. That's ironic, given like how dumb American culture is right? compared the, to this sophistication. The we, because we let Jewish people do it, and Jewish people made it like good. Oh, you know that's I mean? the reason. You Jewish did. people invented stand-up because the American shit was boring Russ and Green corny. says that black people invented stand-up. Okay, Jewish people and black people. Okay. I changed it. No, it's true. The best comedians, are, for the most part, were at the beginning, were like all Jews and black people. And still black people are like the best comedians. Yeah. <laughs> Just what? like... J Jamel used to say this he's like a random black guy off the street could probably like host any show pretty well just because of like the lunchroom at black high school yeah he says <laughs> he says that going that uh going to high school uh in a at a black school is like basically learning stage presence your whole all of high school mm -hmm. you're learning about <laughs> you're, you're learning about how to be on stage and how to how to perform well yeah 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 you build it build up the thick skin yeah but europeans they don't have any jews or black people they killed all the jews and they don't have like american black people so like they just have this corny like completely devoid of 
whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, don't did, know why. I, I did not love being in, in Montreal, seeing a lot of international comics. It just is a style that is uh, is very unappealing to me. It's like learning. If you learned comedy from the last five years of comedy, you're going to suck. Yeah. If you learned by what's considered good comedy from the last five years, mm-hmm. instead of learning from the last 40 years, yeah. you're going to suck. <laughs> do you think it's going to be, you think it's going to change or do you think it's going to keep going the way it's going? Like, do you think that, like, you know, so it's gotten very like uh, woke, right? Clapter stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I agree with the like points. It. Yeah. You know, it's just not great as comedy. Um. And it can be great as comedy, but a lot of times it's not. Right. More often than not. I And then you do, like, there are hints of, like, backlash where... No, man, like, I mean, watching certain comics, like, when I was opening for Schultz, his whole brand is that he's, like, unapologetic right. against that, and people are fucking hyped about it. Yeah. And he has got the most diverse audience outside of Chappelle that exists in comedy. So he's obviously on to something. Hmm. He's selling out. They're adding shows. He's selling them out. He puts out a new video on YouTube. It's got 400,000 views in a day. He's like, m- there's a silent majority about that stuff. Yeah. I hate to like say that. No, and then yeah. you watch people like Gillis who like, he's not offensive, but he's just like, I'm from central PA, dude. Everyone yeah. I know is a Trump supporter. This is who I am. Yeah. I'm not a Trump guy, but like, I'm going to talk about the, what where I'm from and right. those people and- and his people love him. People love him. And like the come town guys, there's like a backlash about that. Yeah. So I think there's people that always have loved like real true comedy mm-hmm. where it's like unapologetic and whatever, you know, as long as it's funny, you know, like right. that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I mean, and Shane and Mullen and Stav there and, and Adam are so, so funny. Yeah. I don't have an opinion on Andrew Schultz necessarily. I don't really, I've barely seen any of his stuff. Right. No, I mean like, uh, he's an incredible performer yeah and he really goes for it and like he does stuff he does jokes where you're like oh you're doing a joke on like okay you're doing it like he does like the best abortion jokes Mm -hmm. that you're gonna hear you know he does like the best jokes about these certain topics that like shitty open micers are tackling poorly he's smashing it out of the park and he's a great performer he sells like every line he's like so quick at crowd work and he's a great like you know the personalities there too yeah that's like watching those guys. I, that's been a crazy couple weeks for me. I was with Ismo and then I was with Schultz and then I was with Gillis and just like watching all of them and how they headline and stuff. I've been like, I've been watching now. I've started like watching all these headliners that I usually like, they suck. I'm trying right. to figure out what the appeal of them is, what the magic definitely is. You know what I mean? Cause there's a headliner magic that you have to have. Yeah. And especially the people that develop followings, you're like, what is it? Why are people like, or, you know, like there's certain people after the show, there's people lined up to yeah. see them. People really get, they really connect. And so, yeah, it is, it is kind of a mystery. The different people who mm-hmm. people connect with and you, and you're like, all right, well, are there, there 20 super fans in each city or like, can this like, can you get a whole army of super right. fans the way like Rogan and, and Schultz have right. where they're just like, Oh, there's millions of these people out there. <laughs> <laughs> that is not what it felt like, but it it's hard to know. Like being that's that's why ultimately you do have to travel around. You got to get outside of DC yeah. to find out what's out there because I think it's a great place to develop, but you got to like, you got to see where you yeah, are. Yeah, no, I realized until pretty recently. I mean, and that's why I'm so lucky that I could quit my job, that I was like saving for all that time, 
that my girl has a nice job. Right. Um, like just to be able to like, cause as soon as I quit, it was like, I hit the ground run. I was like, there's so much I wasn't doing. Right. I wasn't traveling enough. I wasn't writing enough. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like putting thought into other projects enough trying yeah. to build my own shows. I'm still working on stuff that I haven't done yet, but it's like in the pipeline mm-hmm. that I just needed all this time because to do. it's, I, I think it's, it's so tough. It's such a big hill to climb that you really eventually have to commit yourself to it and then treat it like I'm trying to, I'm starting a business really. Yeah, bro. I'm like busy. Like every day I'm busy. You got work to do. Yes. It's hard. And I I think it's funny, like for guys like you and Martin who don't have day jobs, you know, even I think about it, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing all day long? But then when, once, once you think like, oh, how long does it take to make one of those videos? Like, like Martin, he'll go out and he'll be on a bike and have somebody shoot yeah. it. And then he goes and edits it and makes it perfect. And uh-huh. like he, you know, and he's, th- he's like planning ahead and thinking through all this stuff. Like th- there's a lot of work to it and it's easy to, to just go up every night and just tweak little things and work on your stand up. But when you start working on this, all this other stuff, you have to get ready to have a career. It's work. So much work. Work doing a theme show, writing all those jokes particular to that. That's work. Doing a podcast is work. Running a pilot is work. It, you know, it turns into a, a real job. Me and Martin always, we say this thing to each other. Like, we're always like, they don't know what we go through. They just see the pretty picture. You know, it's like, yeah, but it's there's true. so much behind it. We, we're yeah. obviously like joking, but it's yeah. like, I think, like I was talking to um, Jay Agbon and uh, Dominique Grayer. They uh-huh. just started a, a show, uh-huh. like a showcase kind of show. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, man, like I was at their first one. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is great, man. You got like 25 people. Like, yeah, I was like, yeah, man. I remember when Martin was at Brass Monkey and they were like, oh, wow. They like thought he was always on the main I know. stage. That is everybody's got to understand that. Yeah. I try to like I, I try was to at, point that out every every bro, time. I was at Martin's. Oh, he used to do a Friday mic that would go for like three hours and he would just like be just like taking it on the chin every night you know like uh, yeah definitely and people don't remember that and also they weren't around we, we, we talked when martin was on this podcast we talked about it but he uh people like weren't nice to him no people did not really like him because no. he was coming in from he was like he's kind of flashy yeah. kind of like cool guy uh-huh. that's just completely different vibe from the rest of the scene and everybody's yeah. like fuck this guy yeah 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 and he's like he's like i'm gonna put on a big show all these people are gonna come out and everybody's like fuck you fuck you yeah and your big crowd yeah no chris told me the first time he met martin because i remember the first time i met martin he looked like he just got there from coachella he had like that look yeah yeah we met him at potomac grill and chris told me he showed up at touchdown that open mic on u street in a white mercedes Mm-hmm. and like you know it's like a tank top or something yeah yeah and yeah. a gold chain like to an open mic and he's yeah. and, and chris was like who is this fucking wank you know because like, he was f- fresh off of being a rich drug dealer yeah so he was still kind of living like the yeah, yeah, la yeah. life in dc and it just nobody was into it <laughs> and i i re- like i remember you know martin trying to get on shows and i'm just like well, i don't know dude get better you're not good enough like yeah you know, I would throw him spots sometimes just to be like, well, maybe eventually he'll be good. Dylan, I didn't yeah. care about. Not enough people remember that stuff. Dylan's like, I moved to D.C. I'm going to be on all your shows. I'm like, maybe. 
<laughs> I mean, we'll see, dude. We'll yeah, you see. hated his burrito poop. Yeah, joke. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I, your closer is about poop. Like, it's like so immature, and like, I just hate it. I hated Denise. I hated her uh, material <laughs> at first, and uh, you know, they all just kept working, and then they yep. all got good. Mm-hmm. But you don't start off good. You start off bad. Mm-hmm. There's no way around it. Even if you have potential and are doing good things on stage, overall, it's still bad. Yep. There's no, you're not going to step on stage and be great. Uh, And everybody's got to like, they got to learn how to work hard to become good. And then they got to learn how to do the extra stuff if they're going to try to have careers. Yep. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that uh, you want to? Yeah. Do you share like social media and stuff on? on Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. At Benji Himmel, B-E-N-J-Y Himmel, new stand up clip every week on my Instagram. Well, dude, I think you're in great shape heading to new york thanks i think you've uh done everything that you needed to do here and uh of course you can always come back yeah thanks i'll come crawling back probably yeah, every yeah. other week like how yeah. Brittany did when <laughs> yeah. she first got there hey that, that's what you got to do you know you got to keep yourself going through that hard yeah that yeah, hard part in the beginning. Time. <laughs> yeah it's brutal when you first get up there before you start to get to know people and stuff but mm-hmm. We're starting to get some people up there that can yeah. make it a little bit Pull more. Pull some strings. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Nice groundwork. You got other sp- social media? Yeah, Twitter. It's the same. And, and uh, uh, yeah, Time Machine Roast, September 17th at the Kennedy Center. Uh, Reach Opening Festival. 60 Minute Hate. 60 Minute Hate podcast. Yeah, if you like uh, irreverent takes where you're, you're not going to learn anything and you don't know what the hosts actually believe, but you like laughing, then... Uh, and some, that. some kind of weird tension between the hosts. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not sure if they like each other or not. If you like to be in the middle of that, that's a, cool, that's a thing you can check out. All right, man. Thanks for doing it. All right. Thanks a lot. For more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com.